Lafondra looking to get side of Vaughn. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 Reading. Three points Reading. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Royal Preview podcast in association with the Reading Chronicle. I'm Matt Williamson and joining me as always is Matt Joy. How are you doing, Matt? Yeah, very well. Thank you, mate. Very well. The, uh, it's light outside. We're recording this at seven o'clock, so that's put a smile on my face. But yes, all, all, all very well. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I mean, a week without championship football isn't a real week, is it? No, it's, it's it feels like a long time ago since the uh, the QPR game, but we're back to it. And I'm sure well, the games will be coming thick and fast in the next few weeks, so uh, there'll be no shortage of it. Yeah, I mean, and start straight away this weekend with another two games. Barnsley on Friday night, that is going to be a pretty big one, isn't it? Is, is everyone going to be back fit? I know that we've had some internationals coming back. Uh, Puskas got himself sent off about half an hour before recording this. And um, one that we forgot to mention, Alpha Semedo in the last podcast, even scored his debut. Um, are those guys going to be back? Because obviously it's only a couple of days. Yeah, you would have thought that they will be. I think whether they start, you, you might think that, um, especially Puskas, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the bench. Um, and as for Semedo, maybe Rinomota and um, Laurent might get that get the nod with uh, perhaps Elise, uh, Mate and uh, Ajaria playing a bit further forward. So I think they'll be back, but um, whether they'll be starting is uh, is yet to be seen. And there's also three players, I'm sure we're just about to move on, who, who may also be uh, returning. Yeah, so, well, as, as you're suggesting, the uh, injuries... <laughs> Injury list is slowly going down. Talk me through those guys. Yeah, so Banovic today said that uh, it's going to be a last-minute decision on Morrison and the year, Dom. We all know what his his last-minute decisions tend to be, but um, we we may well see those back. John Swift, he looks like he's going to be back sooner than anticipated, although it looks like Barnsley will come too soon for him. Um, Perhaps we may see him on uh, Monday, but again, I wouldn't be surprised maybe to see him, you know, if we drop out for the next week or so. But it's positive news because I don't think Reading have a player like John Swift who, in the John Swift mould who can come in and fill that gap. I think he is a a big gap in the in the team when he's when he's been out. Obviously, I think this this season may have been a little bit different. I think with him, if if he could have been stayed injury free, so that's the one I think is going to be massive. Um, but yeah, Yeardom and Morrison look like the two who may well be. Uh, may well be back into the into the fold. Yeah, I think Paunovic said something along the lines of you know, like getting those guys back was the key part of the international period, um, international break. Um, but alongside that, I guess they're going to be hoping to have go into this game with Lucas Zhao and others hitting form that they were kind of losing towards the end of uh, the last period. Yeah, I think the break might have come at a good time, especially for Lucas Zhao. I think he was looking... A little bit tired, a little bit jaded. It was a, he played a lot of football. Uh, his form, you know, did dip a little bit as well, and he did cut a frustrated figure at times. So perhaps he'll have had that time just to recharge the batteries a little bit and uh, you know, get his head straight. Not that it wasn't, so to speak, but you, you, you know, you know what I mean. Um, and yeah, that, that was, I think, the international break came at probably a good time for the whole team. I mean, it's good that we didn't go into it on the back of a defeat. I think that would have been quite demoralising. I think. Okay, two points from three games isn't particularly uh, brilliant, but it was sort of you know a level-headed finish to the uh, to that cluster of games, and they would have had two weeks to, as Panovic said, you know, work on plans not just for Barnsley's game, 
uh, or the Barnsley game, but for for all the upcoming games because there's not going to be a lot of time to get on the training pitch and uh, you know work through things. So hopefully they'll go up to Barnsley. And I think they'll have to go up to Barnsley with a real plan. Yeah, and I mean we played well in that QPR game, so I guess they're hoping that that kind of follows through as well. Um, has Paunovic been saying anything specific about the Barnsley game, given how big it could be in terms of the season? Yeah, he, he, he was asked by uh, A.D. Williams from BBC Berkshire, you know, is this the, do you see this as the biggest game of your, um, or of the season? And he said, yeah, you know, put, put bluntly, basically, yes, we do. <laughs> um, I think that was quite telling because throughout the season, we've seen Paunovic, you know, he doesn't normally make those sort of statements. He's normally, you know, if you, if you say, you know, how big a win that, you know, that was, so to speak, if it was, you know, looking back to maybe the Bournemouth games, it's very level-headed. It's, you know, it's, it's normally he he likes to keep on a, a reasonably even keel, but he you know he was stressing the importance of it. And he even said that one of the biggest games in his coaching career referenced the uh, under seventeen Serbia World Cup win that he was in charge of. I hope I got that right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he he's certainly wasn't downplaying it at all. I think he knows how big of a game there is. As you know, there was no doubt in my mind about that. And yeah, it, it is a massive game because I think a defeat. Would be um, especially with you know the, the fixtures coming up. If you can come come away from Barnsley with a win, that'll be such a boost with uh, some ominous looking fixtures uh, ahead. Yeah, uh, not to kind of give listeners a look behind the curtain, but I was talking to a Barnsley guy earlier today. Even though that comes after this bit of the pod, um, <laughs> was asking, do would we want a draw, or is a draw a good result for Reading, or do we really need to be taking all three points? I think you can't realistically say that if you, you know, if I if I'm leaving Oakwell on Friday night and we're coming away with a point, I personally won't be disappointed. I mean, it's obviously it's not ideal, but it, you know, Barnsley this season have been a brilliant, brilliant, you know, side to, to watch. They've been the surprise package of the of the league, and okay, they lost, you know, coming into that uh, international break, but <clears throat> some of the form before that, they were, you know, looking scintillating at points. So I think. Would you, you know? Would you take a point now? Perhaps not. You know, you, I wouldn't want to be too defeatist in that sense. But would I be disappointed with a point? Probably not. And we also play Derby on Easter Monday. I guess that hasn't been covered quite as much because of the importance of the first game. But Derby haven't been in the best form. Even if we only get a point at Barnsley. Hopefully that Derby game might be able to kickstart one of those runs that we've seen. Yeah, you know, Reading are this season have been a team that do you know go on runs, good and bad. It's not been too many times where it's sort of been win loss draw, win loss draw. It's kind of there's been a there's been you know if, if things are going well they're going really well and and you know vice versa. But um, yeah, that'd be a, a that'd be an interesting game because I think so much as you said of the you know the hype, the anticipation, perhaps some of the nerves as well. Uh, especially amongst supporters, is on that Barnsley game. But at the end of the day, without meaning to use too many cliches, you know, you're playing for three points in both. It's, both are as important as each other. Um, and, you know, we've seen Reading sometimes struggle to break down sides who are, you know, languishing a little bit, whereas Barnsley might, <clears throat> you know, take the game to Reading a bit more. So I think it'd be a, they'll have to go into both games with perhaps a, a different approach. And, you know, to switch that, flip that mentality in a, four-day period will be uh, be interesting to see if it comes up. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun playing Wayne Rooney's derby, you know, or I, Frank I, Lampard's I, derby, or 
I promise. Ever... I was going to say, I, let, let me just promise on this podcast, I will not say in any of my coverage on Monday, Wayne Rooney's Derby County. I, I, I tried not to do it with uh, Frank Lampard. You know, I, I, you should drive me up the wall. So, yeah, I'll try my best not to uh, to mention uh, or to call Derby Wayne Rooney's Derby County. Yeah, I mean, it's become a bit of a trope, hasn't it? Um, how many points would you be happy with out of these two games then? I know you've said maybe a draw at Barnsley, but it feels like realistically we need at least four points, however they come. Yeah, and I, I would say that has to be the, the the minimal target at this point in the season. You know, as I alluded to earlier, some of the games coming up, it's not as if Reading have an easy run in. So, you know, you need to, especially the Derby game, that's got to be earmarked for three points. And, um, you know, we'll see, see what we can get from Barnsley, I think. That is obviously, as you know, we've said that is the one that's getting the most attention because of, you know, on paper how how much of a, a big game it is, and I think it's one of those games that there's there's been few that I've thought I'm glad fans aren't here for, but I'm quite glad they're not there at Oakwell because I think you know Friday night game under the lights, Barnsley, a side who you know are exceeding all the fans' expectations, the atmosphere there would have been electric. And, you know, so it's a long way to go for Reading fans on a Friday night. Let's not kid ourselves. It's unlikely that it would have been a sold-out away end. You know, that's just given the, the nature of the club. And that's, you know, understandable. Um, so I think it would have been quite a... Yeah, if Barnsley had gone one up in that game with fans there, you'd think, oh, this could be a this could be a long evening, especially with how the home fans would have been. So to go into it without that added... Um, spice I, I don't know I don't know what your thoughts on that would be but I certainly think that this is why I'm thinking yeah I'm, I'm quietly quite glad that there's not supporters there as much as obviously you know we, we do want fans back as soon as possible yeah I mean I think I completely agree especially with the fact that they went into the international break on a loss they've probably spent the whole time kind of brooding and I think they're going to come out fast Barnes are a team that come out fast anyway it, it would only be made worse by having fans there I completely agree and on that note, what is your score prediction for Barnsley and for the subsequent Derby game? I think uh, the Barnsley one's really tough to call, but I'm going to sit well and truly on the fence and go for a one-all draw. And and I, to be honest, I do actually expect that. I think Reading will pick up a point. And as for Derby, I think 2-0, 2-1 2-1-1. Something, something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what I was going to go for. So I'm going to say that I am um, not going to make a prediction so that I don't make a fool of myself, <laughs> like I have done already multiple times on this podcast. So you set, you set me up to do one, and then yeah. immediate, immediately afterwards, <clears throat> immediately afterwards, you say, no, I don't want to make a fool of myself. That's, well, you're, that's you're a paid journalist. It's completely different. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got a reputation to uphold. Yeah, well, well, people can hold you to these. Uh, uh, tweet at Matt if you get some wrong. Oh Just... yeah, please, please do. I would, I would welcome that. Uh, anyway, up next, uh, we've got both the preview for Barnsley and for Derby. Uh, both really interesting conversations. I'm here with Carlo from the Reds Report that cover Barnsley. How are you doing, Carlo? Yeah, I'm all right, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Uh, talk us through Barnsley's season. It's been a bit of a up and down ride. Uh, yeah, season uh, obviously you know the, the the miraculous survival on the last day of the season away at Brentford last season. Um, but I think that that run when when Project Restart started 
showed that Barnsley, you know, got a bit of a run together and actually got some really good results. So I suppose the hopes were quite, well, higher than they would normally be because uh, normally it's all about just survive, just survive this division, just stay in the championship. Um, Struber off to a difficult start in the season. First seven games, three draws. That's all he could, all could muster. Um, and the rest all losses, including uh, we lost 2-0, didn't we, against you? Um, at, at Oakwell, uh, red card as well. And then in October, he um, he left. Um, he went on to, uh, to to become the head coach of uh, Red Bull New York. And the club brought in Valerian Ismail. So every podcasting Barnsley and fan went on Wikipedia to see who he was and, and what he did and what did he look like. And um, in fairness, I think what he's done on the pitch um, says it all. Um, there's not really been many additions. I mean, there's been a couple, don't get me wrong. But he's just got the best out of the players that that, that, that were at his disposal. Um, he made a few quick wins um, early on the season and the whole of last season. Coley Woodrow played quite deep in almost like the number 10 role. Put him straight back in, number nine, that's your position. Alex Mowat was like a defensive midfielder put him at sort of like uh, central or pushed him a bit forward. And suddenly we just started scoring goals. And then January, a uh, difficult month because we played like, I think it was Norwich, Watford uh, and, and some other ones. So it wasn't great. And then we had the cup match against Chelsea. Um, and I can say that we narrowly lost 1-0. And then after that, we went, I think it was 12 unbeaten. Uh, we had a draw in there with against Derby. And then the, the run came at an end the last game day before the international break against those uh, massive local rivals that are Sheffield Wednesday was still in the bottom three. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, we, we lost. Um, so that run is at it. And so it'll be interesting because um, a couple of players, but not many obviously have been called up for the country. So this is probably the most time he's been able to spend with the players because he came in and he had to hit the ground running and, and much like Reading, you know, you play two matches a week you put some recovery in there. There's not much time on the training pitch. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see him again on Friday. So, um, with Ishmael, was it just kind of small tweaks that um, upgraded Struber's formation and whatnot? Or, or were there larger changes as the season's gone on? Um, no, I think I think small tweaks. Um, I think the intensity's gone up. He brought his own fitness staff, uh, fitness coach and everything in. So, the intensity that we, we train and we play in has definitely gone up. Um, belief. We, we, had, we had a play it. Uh, Toby Sibick uh, got him from um, Wimbledon, I believe it was. Was it Wimbledon? Yeah, a couple of seasons ago. Did okay. Did okay. Nothing, nothing major, but he was all right. Um, Struber didn't really rate him. Uh, he was sent out alone to Hearts last season. Did all right, but nothing major. And then was loaned out to KV Ostend in Belgium. Well, their owners are the same as our owners, so there's all that wheeling dealing going off. Didn't get a minute of football, not a minute. And, and I'm not degrading the Belgium league because I'm from Holland, very much near the Belgian border and people know where I live. But you like to think that actually the championship is, I, I would put it a step up to, the, to, 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 that, to that Belgium league. And he didn't get a minute of football. Um, Ismail watched some videos of him, recalled him. I mean, in two weeks, he's, he's a regular starter in, 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 in the back three. So um, I think... His man management skills have just, you know, a lot of these points that we've got is because the team doesn't give up and some of the players have just properly, proper, proper stepped up and the self-belief is just brimming over the edge. And I think if you could do that as a manager, you get the best out of your players and, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, you, you mentioned Corley Woodrow there. The um, One of the few 
players that have come in is Daryl Dyke to kind of help him out. He scored, I think, five goals since coming in in January. Yeah. Um, how's he been? He, he seems to have kind of boosted your attack. Yeah. Um, in January, uh, Morris, uh, Carlton Morris from uh, the Norwich striker uh, joined us. And then I think it was one of the last days in the in the transfer, they brought in uh, Daryl DK, as it's probably, we all say, still say that, but Daryl DK. And again, never heard of him, uh, played for Orlando. Um, so our owners, uh, there's, there's one or two that come from the US, uh, major one, Billy, Billy Bean, who the film Moneyball is based around. He's got a 10% stake, I think, in Barnsley. So we've got some connections there. Our CEO is American. Uh, Daryl DK made his debut for the US international squad, and then uh, the day after got on the uh, got on the plane and, and and came to Manchester to then drive down to Barnsley. Um, we did an interview with some of the podcasters out there, and I said, oh, he's, he's, he's built like an NFL player. Uh, he's very young; I think he's twenty, but it's just it's just unbelievable um, because we play with such high intensity. We've got we've got six strikers to choose from, and whenever you do any sort of lineup guessing game or predictor, it's impossible with Barnsley because in the front three there is six, and and you know sometimes that Woodrow tends to be the one that always plays, but those other spaces. And what DK has has brought is uh, far more intensity, and I think. A lot of teams just read us um, really easy, figure this out. If, if you nullify uh, Woodrow, um, it, it, you know, we, we didn't really have an end product. And DK is just a, a handful, an absolute handful, scored some really good goals. Um, he's now providing assists as well. So hit the ground running. There's a bit of a debate going on because source, <laughs> um, his mother club say um, he's worth 20 billion. Uh, I'm sure he is. I don't think Barnsley have agreed a price um, as part of the loan, so we can buy him or send him back. That won't be twenty million. Uh, we <laughs> they won't spend that. So um, Orlando wants him, want him back. The fans want him back. Barnsley fans want him to stay, no matter what division we're in, because it's just a breath of fresh air. And he's one of those that gets fouled a lot and never really complains. Just gets on with it. Um, his highlight. Um, a couple of weeks ago was an intense tussle down the right-hand side. I think it was with Sheffield Wednesday defender and he won a throw-in and he proper celebrated that, you know, like, because he, he he puts his everything in every battle for every ball, every aerial duel. And it's just nice to see. So uh, he, he's had a real, real impact. Must mention Morris as well because he's got similar figures. I think he's got, is it five in seven or whatever, uh, mainly off the bench as well. So... Um, what Israel does normally around 60 minutes, he'll take the front three off and put another front three on just to put pressure on, on, on the, on the uh, opposing defence. Um, I think you'll see a different style of play than that you did when we played, uh, when we played Reading in September. Uh, we've decided, don't really play it out from the back no more. I think they've realised we're not Man City, we're not Barcelona. It, it don't really work for us. We put ourselves under pressure. So, yeah, the goalie will just literally hoof it into your area. We play an extremely high line, but that also means a lot of Barnsley players are in your half. And whenever a Reading player has the ball, you can get used to at least one or two Barnsley players will be around him, forcing him into a mistake. And then, of course... We don't have to make a 60-yard run to try and pass the keeper and score a goal because we're in your half already. Um, that took some getting used to for some of the Barnsley fans. They thought it was not, not you know, initially it was like, oh, this is not good to look at. And now suddenly we're fifth in the division. We still play like that, but it's all right now. It's all right now. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be. I think it'll be a different style that year than what you saw in September. I'm just really interested because Barnsley have always been quite a, 
high energy team. Do you think that the extra substitutes have really helped you out? I mean, it sounds like it from what you're saying. 100%. Um, when the club was sold uh, to this consortium uh, quite a few years ago now, five, six years ago, uh, they brought in Jose Moresh as an as a interim head coach with the aim of keeping us up. He didn't do that, uh, so he got uh, dismissed. And then they said, we, we need to create an identity for Barnsley Football Club. And the identity was uh, high intensity, high energy, um, and, and, and young players. And we want to... Um, you know, we want we want to grow, but sustainability is more important. And I think they've stuck to that plan. And the the, the rule of the substitute enormously because he he will literally he always makes at least one treble substitution. And and opposing fans always think it's weird. You know, Coley Woodrow scores a couple of goals, but he'll still come off because to be able to maintain that level of energy, you can't do it for ninety minutes. You do it for sixty. So then you know you might get Chaplin, Woodrow, and Freezer. They come off, and then DK. Um, Adebayejo and Morris come on so he will literally just change the front three um, and, and that's helped because uh, it keeps the players happy because they all get you know part of a game and they just keep scoring so yeah it's uh, definitely in our benefit Almost every answer you've given so far comes back to the owners and the ownership is that a, like a model that everyone should be following it's that like Barnsley always are one of those very well run clubs um, is that the case for someone who actually follows them? Um, listen, our owner before was Patrick Crine, who was a, a local man, self-made millionaire kind of thing, um, and he sold it because his health uh, deteriorated, and he sold it. And, and Barnsley fans were worried. They sold it to a, a consortium of people from China, from America, from India, and they were like, whoa, because that don't sound like the local club that we used to. And I think now they've got their affairs in order, sort of like behind the scenes, and they've got the people in the right places. Um, you know, they want to improve the fun experience. And listen, we are in an area in an area here. Within 20 miles, I can be at Leeds United, I can be at Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday, there's Rotherham, there's Doncaster. Um, so we're not we're not the biggest club in this area, never have been. We're a town. Um, but they wanted to make the fun experience better. So they brought in a fun zone, which is outside with, you know, craft beers, local artists. We, we host in there. We do interviews with players. Um, and they've been really good in engaging with, with, with the fans during um, this whole COVID pandemic. And I think the key person for me is always the CEO because he's the link, isn't he, between the board and the owners and, and the fans. Um, he's an ex-footballer himself. He is American. But I think he's listened. They 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 organise fan forums where, um, you know, we go from the Reds Report, all the different fan, the supporters clubs, they they come. And there's a CEO there. Sometimes one of the owners is there. We've had the, the head coach there. And you can basically say, what's on your mind? What would you like to see? What don't you understand? And, and they're very open. And I think that transparency has helped the fans buy into what they try to do. And, you know, we're, we're fifth. I think we've got a real shout of going to the playoffs. Everybody's guess what happens after that. Um, but I think for a club that narrowly, um, you know, stayed in this division last season, um, yeah, you have to thank the board for sticking to the original plan and and don't do, didn't do anything silly. Um, the players that have come in are all affordable players for us. I think our highest earner is about eleven grand a week, and I think that's Coley Woodrow. Um, I think there is some championship clubs where players are on eleven grand and probably on the bench. So. 
Yeah, they run it. Uh, there's not a lot of money around in South Yorkshire, so they run it the right way. They're evolving the fans, and yeah, it's an exciting journey to be on. It took a bit, you know. We got to get used to them. They got to get used to us. But definitely, definitely, um, it's it's a good time to be a Barnsley fan. So uh, focusing on this, well, not weekend, Friday. Um, yeah. What are you expecting from the game? Do you think it'll be close? Do you think Barnsley, given that rest, will come out with even more intensity than normal? Um, I think we started, lagging is maybe not the right word. We didn't look at as intensive as we did at the beginning of that run, the middle of the run towards the end. And that's understandable. Two games a week and, uh, you know. Um, Reading are one of those teams that you just you never know what you're going to get, do you? Um, we play better against footballing teams. So we struggle with teams like, um, and sorry for any other fans of these clubs, what we struggle with like a Wickham and a Derby and a Millwall because they don't really play football. They try and counter what you try to do, and that makes it really hard. But if you've got a team that wants to play football, um, we tend to do a little bit better. I think I think there will be goals. I think both teams will score, and I think there'll be a single goal in it. I think there won't be a big winning margin. I think we'll be better for the break, but Reading will be as well. And, you know, you've had nearly two weeks of re-energising the players. Um, it's, it's, well, I suppose, the opportunity of where we both are on the table to then play each other in that first match after the internet. It, it's it's well it, it all comes down to this match doesn't it i suppose um i think to be fair there's, there's probably place for both because i think bournemouth will maybe lose you know um a couple more um but if to me if if, if you look at the table um you know you've got what is it a three-point gap but they've got a game in hand or something bournemouth haven't they um yeah. and if 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 you if you listen, I don't want you to get a result. Of course, you don't. You're playing Barnsley. I don't know what your running is like, but I think even a draw would probably suit, you know, both teams as long as Bournemouth at one point will 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 mess up. From what I remember, when we played you before, you know, you, you try to play football. You got you got some decent players. Um, Zhao obviously played for Wednesday, didn't he? So you know, we we know of him and. Uh, he's obviously your top scorer. Um, a lot there'll be a lot of uh, of focus on our defence. Um, all the players are back for Barnsley, uh, including DK, who, who played for the um, for the American team, except for Mikael Helic, who's one of our probably outstanding performers in defence because he actually plays for Poland. So he could line up. I doubt he will, but he could line up against Harry Kane uh, late, later this evening. But he's joining the squad tomorrow, so uh, we should be fully fit, fully fit squad to choose from. Uh, it'll be interesting. Um, I asked my mate Steve, who I do it with, and we both said 2-1 to Barnsley because I think you will score. I think um, Barnsley will be very eager to get back on some sort of run and, and try and forget that defeat against that mighty club from 10 miles down the road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think our game earlier in the year was quite an interesting one in that it was very close until the two red cards that Barnsley ended up getting. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. And then Reading actually managed to edge it. Um, but I think that's all we've got time for. So thank you very much, Carlo. That was a very interesting 15 minutes. And um, I really, really enjoy, I always enjoy talking about my team. So uh, don't we all? Um, <laughs> good luck for the rest of the season, but may maybe not Friday. I'm hoping I'm going to edge that one. <laughs> you too. Uh, enjoy it. And who knows, we might face each other again later on in the season in the playoffs. Yeah, that'd be the dream. Thanks, mate. Fantastic. No problem. I'm here with Ryan Dilks from the Second Tier Pod. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm right, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Uh, you're here back to talk about Derby County. But first off, let's talk about Mark Bowen. How was it having him on the pod? Um, I tell you what, 
he is a brilliant bloke. He, he really is. He clearly has a great passion for football. Um, he was very candid in his thoughts when he was chatting to us. And honestly, I have no complaints. When we do, as you guys will know from doing plenty of interviews with ex-players and managers and what have you, sometimes they can be a bit on edge and not necessarily as open. But he was so open. I was. It was great chatting to him. And he gave a great insight as well into what it's like behind the scenes, not just as a manager, but also in his roles when he was technical director and sporting director or whatever it was. So, yeah, it, it was a fantastic chat. One of my favourite interviews that we've done on the second tier so far. Yeah, I mean, that his time at the club is an interesting period of Reading's history. Mm. So he definitely had a lot to contribute. Uh, for anyone that hasn't listened to it, I would wholeheartedly recommend going to check it out it was a really good listen um oh, thank you but coming on to derby county uh how's how's the season gone for you obviously we played each other in the first game of the year uh reading edged that game um and since then you haven't had the best of seasons it's i'm trying to f figure out the best way to describe it it's like a roller coaster what a pretty rubbish roller coaster. And right now, we are quite frankly abysmal. We've been pretty poor all season, but recently it has been really, really bad, purely for the reason that we just can't score. Defensively, we've been all right all season. We've actually only conceded one more goal than Reading at the time of recording, um, which is impressive considering we're, we're so far apart in the table. But going forwards, we are so, so bad. We lack any creativity in midfield. The wingers look isolated and then the strikers barely touch the ball in every single game that we've had for God knows how long now. And it seems to have got worse and worse. I think we've only scored in one of our last six games. It's it's poor. It's really, really poor. And I just can't see it getting any better anytime soon unless Wayne Rooney has been putting in some serious work during the international break. Yeah. So as you kind of touch on, we're recording this before the Luton game, uh, Luton Derby game on, on Easter Friday. Good Friday. Uh, so maybe everything will have changed during that uh, international break, but potentially not. Um, your top goal scorer is Colin Kazim Richards. Um He's been all right for you. Every time I see him, he's doing something pretty impressive. Yeah, he's surprised everyone, really. Uh, when he initially came in, I don't think you'll find many Derby fans who are saying that looks like a good signing. Um, but he's come in. He's clearly a leader um, in what is a fairly young squad. And I think that's something that's definitely been a positive this season. He's... He, he's... Surprised plenty of people, but I wouldn't say he's definitely the answer for next season. I think Derby definitely needs to strengthen, um, but he'll definitely give the Reading defenders a bit of a push and a shove in the game uh, on Monday. But that's all you can really expect from him. He scores every so often. He holds up the ball pretty well, but that's just about it. That's when he actually gets a touch of the ball because the number of times he's left barely featuring in a game is is worrying yeah so other than that as as you've mentioned already like almost nobody has scored I think Martin Waghorn other than that is your top goal scorer with three goals despite being you know an actual striker um you've 
sent Jack Marriott on loan to Sheffield Wednesday. Like these are decent championship players. Is it just as you mentioned that they're not getting the ball up to them properly, or is it more of a problem converting chances? I think it's a bit of both. The creativity is a real issue. Um, if you look at Derby from a data side of things, they are so poor in terms of creating chances. And when you have got a striker like Colin Cousin Richards, fair play to him. He's been living off scraps pretty much all season. Um, so that is one aspect of it. Martin Waghorn is an interesting one because he has featured on the wing plenty of times this season. So we've been looking to him for not only goals, but creativity as well. And over the past few seasons, not just for Derby, but also for Ipswich as well, he's been a fairly good player at championship level. But this season, he's been really, really bad. He's been a shadow of the man that we saw a couple of seasons ago when we got to the playoff final. Um, and it's really hard to figure out why. I'm not sure whether it's injuries. He's struggled with injuries quite a few times this season, but he's really, really struggled across the whole course of the season. Jack Marriott has been shipped out on loan to Sheffield Wednesday. That's not too much of a surprise because he played a couple of games earlier on the season. He might have even played against Reading um, and he was really, really poor. And he's been pouring out for a good couple of seasons. Um, he had that well, the season where we got to the playoff final, he was um, someone who didn't get enough time on the pitch. But last season, he looked unfit. He looked low on confidence. And that's been the main reason why we've sent him out on loan this season. And he's not even played that much for Wednesday. So it doesn't look like we're missing out on much. So, yeah, there's plenty of good experienced players in this Derby squad. It's just everything seems to have gone wrong this season. Yeah, I think one of the real positives last year was the youth that you had coming through uh, with like Bielik and um, looking down the list that I've hastily prepared, uh, Sibley and Max Bird. Some of them aren't getting the same kind of minutes as you might be hoping. Obviously, Bielik's been out injured for quite a long time. Um, is is there still promise there? Yeah, I'd say so. Sibley is a weird one because I fully expected him to kick on this season. He got a hat-trick against Millwall um, towards the end of last season and also scored a screamer against Blackburn and looked like a really tidy player. He he went missing in quite a few games, but I thought this season would be one where he really kicks on, but it's just not happened. He's been all right recently and a couple of games ago, I can't remember who we played, but he came off the bench and looked like our most threatening player. And you'd have thought a player like him who provides a bit of a spark, a bit of creativity, would be exactly what Derby needs right now. But for whatever reason, he's not had the season we're expecting. Max Bird was being linked with Chelsea after the season he had last season. Um, holding midfielder, able to spray the ball around. Fantastic talent. And Another player who I thought would kick on this season and would be at the centre of Derby having a playoff push this season, which sounds mad in hindsight. Um, but again, he's another one who hasn't featured as much, um, whether it's a lack of confidence, I don't know, because he's not had that many injuries. So, yeah, it, it, a lot of the young players have had backwards seasons compared to how they were last season. Lee Buchanan is someone who has come on this season. He's a left-back, 
young lad has got one hell of a leap on him. That boy can jump um, and he's great going forwards. He's got a bit of work to do defensively and his crossing, I think, statistically is one of the is the least accurate in the division or at least around there. So he, he's got work to do, but he's looked pretty good in the um, games that he has played this season. And it's been a bit of a, he's been a positive out of a, what's been a fairly bleak season. So obviously one of the big talking points of your season is Wayne Rooney becoming manager. I think that's still this season. It's been such a strange year and a half that everything is blurred into one. Um, he seems to be a bit of a tinkerer. Um, I'm not someone who really watches Derby games, but going off uh, what you know, transfer market and FB ref say, um, you've changed formation quite a lot. Like captain bounces around a bit. Is that helpful? It has. Has he been a good manager so far? Plenty of Derby fans will tell you that his system is the reason why a lot of players are struggling, particularly Kemal Yozwiak, someone I've not been particularly impressed with, but there's a strong contingent of Derby fans who say Rooney's system is the reason why we're not getting the best out of him after he joined for £4 million uh, in the summer. Um, he has been, he, he has definitely chopped and changed quite a lot. He's definitely the kind of manager who suit, who sets up his team to depending on who they're facing. Um, for example, plenty of times this season when we've come up against direct teams, he'll play with taller fullbacks. The likes of uh, Byrne and Buchanan have been dropped, uh, depending on who we're playing. So that's one aspect of it. Um, w- whether he's been a tinker or not, I'm not too sure. He's definitely not been the manager that I was expecting because he's been a lot more direct than... The manager I was expecting, I thought, you know, someone like Wayne Rooney would be attacking and would help with the attacking style of play. But that's not really been the case at all. So that's been a bit weird. Um, the jury's still out on Wayne Rooney as a manager. That's a, a very on the on the fence answer from second tier pod. Don't expect that from you guys. Well, I, I'd say the jury's out because quite a few Derby fans, you know, are saying Rooney is the man to take us forward. Um, So for me to say the jury's still out on Rooney is probably a bit left-leaning than plenty of other Derby fans. So, yeah, Yeah. um, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, with that in mind, what what do you expect from the game at the Medeski? Is there anything that you can see him employing that might get the best from Derby? I think he'll be low-scoring. I can definitely tell you that because Derby have a habit when we come up against the teams in and around the playoffs of fighting out for a draw, quite frankly. Um, as I previously mentioned, going forwards, we are awful. I can't see us scoring more than one. And if we get one, then that's a bloody miracle. Um, so if, <laughs> if, if, if I'm looking at it from a Reading perspective, I'll be thinking to myself, Derby are going to set up to try and grind out a point uh, from this game and maybe try and catch them on the break. Um, so I won't expect a very entertaining game. Uh, it wouldn't be one for the neutrals, um, but for Reading, they'll have to be patient and, you know, wait for that golden chance. And it might not come because Derby have been very organised defensively this season. So... Last thing, what would your score prediction based on all that be? Nil-nil. <laughs> uh, based on Derby's form at the moment, they are so, so poor. 
Um, and I think Rooney will be going to this game thinking that a point will be a fantastic result. And he's probably right. Um, for Reading, I'm not sure it's as good a result, but that's another story for another day. So, yeah, I, I think nil-nil is my score prediction. And that's with my uh, optimistic derby cap on. And even then, that's not very optimistic. Well, I'm hoping that it's a, another game that will slightly edge, but obviously we've kind of fallen away a little bit towards, you know, the end of the last section of fixtures. Um, but with that, I'll let you go. Thank you very much, Ryan. Uh, as I say, everyone who's a Reading fan should probably go listen to the Mark Bowen podcast and just more generally the Second Tier pod. Thanks, mate. No worries.